The thing with security is it works today. The question is, is it going to work tomorrow? There are new attackers, there's new ways to attack, etc. which is why security is an always evolving uh, technology, right? Like, you know, the technology that you have in your Nano X today is not similar to what you had in your Nano X three years ago because we are constantly trying to make it, you know, harder to break and, and more secure. Hello there, how are you all? Did you have a good weekend? We're just recovering from Bitcoin Miami, a massive week at the conference. Just want to give a big shout out to David Bailey and everyone at BTC Magazine. They did an amazing job. It was a great conference. I can't wait to head to Nashville next year and do it all again. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Iris Energy, the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and I've got a massive show for you today. So following Ledger's announcement of their new product, a lot of questions regarding this on social media. I managed to get Pascal, their CEO, on the show, alongside Matt O'Dell, MVK from CoinKite, who made Cold Card, and Harry Suddock. So we could go through some of the important questions that people have regarding the product and see what Pascal and the Ledger team are considering with this. So yeah, it's a, an important interview to have. I definitely want your feedback on this. You can drop me an email. That's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And we're nearly finished up here in Miami. We're going to be heading back to the UK at the end of the week, planning our next trips, which we're going to be heading out to Nashville in July for the Lightning Conference. And then I'm going to be heading out, I think, to Argentina. We're going to be making another documentary. Anyway, let me know what you think of the show. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Welcome, everyone. There wasn't a lot of planning to this fortunate circumstances we're all in Miami at the same time for anyone listening uh we're going to be probably discussing Ledger a lot they're a sponsor of mine so I'm going to sit neutral to this we've got Pascal CEO of Ledger here we've got Matt O'Dell podcaster Mr. Privacy we've got MVK he has a competitor product to Ledger so it comes with uh certain opinions and we've also got our good friend Harry Suddock who is a minor uh, more neutral than I would say probably MVK and Matt. To kick this off, uh, I think we should start. Pascal, you've just announced a new product. Not everyone listening to the podcast will know about it. Do you want to just explain what the product is? Yeah, it's a new service rather than a new product. It's something that will be enabled in your uh, Nano S+, Plus, Nano X, um, and uh, soon Ledger Stacks. And it's a seed recovery product or service, seed recovery service. When you set up uh, your wallet, a nano, uh, you end up with, in one hand, your nano with a pin code. In another hand, you have those 24 words. Uh, and those 24 words, then you have to you know, hide them somewhere. Um, we thought that everything that exists in terms of recovery of the 24 words today is weak. Most people actually are not in self-custody for that reason. And this is why they leave their coins on exchanges. And we know that this is not the right way of doing it. And when they use a non-custodial wallet, uh, usually what happens is those 24 words end up on a piece of paper somewhere, or even worse, in the cloud, or even worse, um, you know, various ways of keeping the 24 words that are not very satisfactory in terms of recovery. And the thing is, once you have those 24 words, you're solely responsible for your coins and eventually your losses. All right, cool. Um, uh, I don't, so you're responsible for the coins and, and, and your losses. And so going forward, it's not possible to think that hundreds of millions of users are going to onboard self-custody uh, and take care of the 24 words. That's not what's going to happen. Most actually users that talk to us say that they don't trust themselves with the 24 words. So we needed to come up with a service that helps you store the 24 words somewhere, but not the entire 24 words, so we encrypt and shard, and then we store into three different locations, and only you can retrieve the, the 24 words. So that's the service that we're taking to market and has created some uh, FUD, I guess, uh, on Twitter yesterday and today. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start with Harry, just because I think, if anything, <laughs> you're the most neutral. Like, your interpretation, because it's, it's been all over Twitter the last few days. What was your interpretation? Do you have any specific questions for Pascal? Yeah, so I guess my my questions and um, discomfort is just a function of how does my signing device interact with the software on my computer, and how does the the you know whether it's an upgrade or or a change to that that package of of software, how does that happen, and what does that expose me to? So first, it's not exactly like that. Like, so you have three components. You have the hardware, you have the operating system that runs on the hardware, and then you have the software. Uh, here, this is not a software upgrade. This is an operating system upgrade. 
Um, the operating system upgrade only happens if you validate the upgrade yourself, meaning that uh, you know we cannot push any upgrade into your device without your consent. The device works always the same way, which is it's a uh, it's it's only with user consent, which is pin uh, and uh, pressing on those two buttons that anything can happen on your device. And so uh, this is really how it works. And so when we offer an upgrade for the device, like really the security uh, of your ledger is not really changing because what you do with the operating, the operating system and the device for any action really is to trigger functionalities. I want to sign this, I want to do this, I want to do that. So there is nothing that sort of loses your control. There is a misconception that suddenly something is happening in the device that is not under your control because we're pushing an upgrade or because we are creating a backdoor, et cetera. But that's not the case. You know, the device always works the same, which is, you know, it's under your control only and it does things only if you do the pin code and press the buttons. And we know, like, uh, I'm fully aware that, like, Bitcoin maximalists tend to prefer products that are Bitcoin only. But, I, you know, up until you know, this week, I'm also aware that a lot of Bitcoiners are happy with Ledger as a device. They think it was a good device. They think yeah. it is a good device. And so I'd be interested, Matt, your perspective now and any specific questions you have for Pascal. Well, I mean, so you introduced me. I I think your audience is very familiar with me because they come yeah. on the show a lot. But the, the, the potential conflict is that I'm a partner at 1031, the largest Bitcoin-only venture fund in the space. And we're the only in outside investors in CoinKite. So <laughs> that's the actual conflict. Yeah, okay. Um, also, I'm a user of CoinKite products. I have been for many years. Um, I mean, I think the big concern here is a concern that many people have had in the space in the past, which is that Ledger is a closed source product. And as a result, because it's a closed source product, you can't actually verify what... If, if the firmware updates that you ship to the device are actually doing what you say they're doing. And I think this scenario, this situation with this particular recover service has highlighted that because people have concerns that you might ship an update to a ledger device that is malicious and extracts keys from the device. And we saw today on Twitter, one of your support people basically said as much as that. They said, at the end of the day, the trust trade-off with ledger is that you have to trust us not to ship a malicious update to your device that steals your Bitcoin. Yeah, so the tweet that you referred to was, you know, a bad tweet and, you know, we are under a lot of pressure and, you know, the, the guys that, the, that are doing customer success are doing their best to answer all questions, etc. And okay, so it was very poor wording. Actually, we took the tweet away. We said that we took the tweet away, like we're not trying to hide from you know the mistakes, and then we reformulated the tweet into something that is more accurate to what we actually do. So that tweet was incorrect, and it was an honest mistake from a customer success agent that was trying to do his best to explain you know how this works. Um, when it comes to open source versus closed source, so first of all, open source is not a panacea in terms of security. I mean, if you give me a treasure right now, I give it to my dungeon, they extract the private keys in 30 seconds. Yep. Okay. So open source is not a panacea in terms of security. The reason why some of what we do is closed source is not because of Ledger. It's because, you know, contrary to what Trezor does, and I don't want to slam that on Trezor because I like these guys. Oh, no, please do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, but I think, you know, everybody's trying to do a good job, you know, but uh, but they use, uh, they don't use a secure element. They use a yep. chip that you would find in your toaster. And so this is why it's so easy to extract the private keys. And so, of course, all these chips are open source. When we use a secure element, there's part of it that is, you know, closed source, but it comes from the manufacturer of the secure element. If it was just for us, and actually we asked ST Microelectronics many times to open source everything, and they don't want to, but that's got to do with yeah, their security so features. Are you guys PCI certified or just FIPS? That's a great question for Charles and Nicolas. Okay. Like, you know, I'm not the no, technical, no, like, not the technical guy of, so, of the So, of the for team. example... What we do is we do have two secure elements, right? Uh, and but we do have the source code fully open, verifiable, right? So you can go and you can review the code, and you can build it yourself. So it it is possible to make closed device like devices that have secure elements that there is an NDA that we have to sign to use that chip. But the code that configures that that runs sort of like resolves that that sort of obscurity. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. 
people don't understand that just being open source just solves all the problems because it doesn't. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. Um, by the way, I am a fan of the product. I've been dealing with your team for many years. You guys do a lot of pen testing for us. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys spend like half a million dollars <laughs> breaking our devices. And uh, so, but but there is ways of doing this stuff in, in a way that I, you know, I believe we can find a better trade-off and that's why I built my product in the way that we do. Um, because, you know, uh, trust for what it is, is everything, right? And that's part of the brand and, you know, and I think you guys are taking a pounding on this because, you know, it's amazing to me that people just figured out now that you could do anything and sort of, you know, hurt them economically, right? By exposing their seeds or whatever. You're not a malicious actor, like your business and you, you know, you do audits and everything, but it's just surprising that they just figure out now <laughs> that you could do something to the firmware that they may not like. Um, so, you know, you guys can resolve that through audits and other things, and that's the path. And certification, yeah, exactly, right. And we we do like actually we are the I think the only hardware wallet that has been certified by a third party, uh, the Nano S, Nano S Plus, and Nano X have all been certified by yeah. the ANSI. And I'm not talking about the chip which is certified. I'm talking about the, the stack. product. It's the full stack, no? Yeah, and now you can say, okay, I don't trust the ANSI or I don't trust you know third party yeah. verification which is fine, but they have access to everything. They actually do a really good job at making sure. And they're, just for everyone to understand, the ANSI is a governmental agency whose job is to make sure that you know when you take a cryptographic product to the market, it actually, and for security, actually does what it's supposed to do. And these guys are you know, a, hardcore yeah, but, and, you know, and serious. I, I come, and also, know, wait, 80% of what we do is open source. And you know, I, I think in the end, this is not exactly true. I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to spin this in the way that we say, well, you know, uh, so first of all, like the number of people that are capable of like opening like, you know, an open source code of that complexity and really looking into it, you know, maybe you can do it, but like, you know, there are users do, you know, there, yes, but there, there are very few people on the planet that can do that. So actually, you know, that doesn't really work for uh, the general audience so, so this because is- they cannot do it themselves. And what works though, and especially in security is, you know, time and uh, and 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 testing through time. So when you have six million devices that have been out there for almost ten years now, they are not hacked. Uh, there is no backdoor, etc. You know, in, in the end, the proof is a bit in the pudding. And typically, there is a lot of problems right now with this feature, and people are, you know, uh, imagining things. But when we're going to release the feature, and it's going to be in the market for two months, three months, six months, twelve months, eighteen months. And that it would be no hack and no backdoor. This is also how you bring back confidence in the space. You know? Yeah. So here's the thing. There's just a lot to unpack there, right? Uh, so so first is, I mean, it, it is it is absolutely true that most people would never be able to check source code. But that's why we have deterministic builds, right? That means that the code can be reviewed by somebody that can review, that's not part of the company, that can vouch that the code does what it does, and the signatures check. Right, so so there's no room for anybody to get in there. Uh, what else? I, I mean, and then and then there's the issue, I guess, like on on. But again, them. like all of this is because there is an assumption that Ledger certainly turned turn rogue and is a could be a malicious. This actor. happened to Gemalto, right? You know, Gemalto, big French, uh, a secure chip yeah, maker, yeah, right? They were all full spooks there, and they were leaking keys and giving everybody back doors, and it was a disaster. Right, it has happened crypto AG as well. So th- the idea is not that you guys are bad guys, which I don't believe you are. I, I am a fan and and a, and a friend of of Guillaume, your CTO. I, we've been talking on the back for many years, um, and uh, but the idea here is that we don't have to trust if we use the tools in certain ways, right? So that I can just say, just literally, don't trust me as a company. Right. That's my my goal. I know it's a little different for you guys. You guys are trying to approach a bigger market, right? That has people who are very new to Bitcoin, and you're trying to make it easy. It's it's an interesting feature, by the way. Um, I just I just think that if you're gonna do something like that, and this is my opinion, you know, 
there is ways to first like how you describe this to people, you know, which I think is part of the problem of how this whole Twitter sort of thing happened. No, but the problem is not the way that you describe it. The problem is, you know, the, the team that pushed, we pushed a release that wasn't supposed to be pushed. And so users discovered the feature with a firmware upgrade, which was which is unpleasant at best, you know. Um, because then the content to explain what it was was not ready. So for a few hours, there was just that push and people were like, which is what created the FUD actually, because people were like, oh shit, you know, but there now, is now also- this is coming online. No one told me anything. And so what are these guys doing? The normal way of communication should have been, this is the product, this is how it works. And by the way, we're pushing it next week or something like that, which was the original plan. So there was a fuck up in terms, not, not even in terms of communication, but in terms of sequencing of the release of the product, this is what created the FUD. Is there a concern? Uh, because see, you, this new recovery system that you have is KYC based, right? So now you're storing KYC data and KYC data could be leaked. So we, are, we are not storing it, but our partners are. Our partners. So, but the partners get hacked and it happens, right? I mean, it yeah. happened. It, 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 yeah, I wasn't going to get in there. Like that was not my, my intent, but I'm just saying like, you know, but that again, that's an honest sort of trade-off that, you, you know, users should know, right? That. KYC data could be stolen from a third partner, and that's it, right? I mean, and, and by the way, all of this is optional. You don't have to of use course. it. Uh, but now my question is, you know, you do have now this seed sort of sharded, right, mm -hmm. uh, between these parties, right? Mm -hmm. And and they are essentially uh, uh, unencryptable without the user, right? It's kind of the whole point. Um, so, you know, is it a concern now that you have third parties that could have access to customer funds without them authorizing that if they collude? You know, we're talking about like, you know, the realm of what's sort of possible of and, yes. you know, the worst case scenarios, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Like in the, in the you know, 99% of the cases, you know, there is no collusion that is really possible between the, the, the three entities and, you know, the, the way that this is built. But we've released a lot of content. The way that this is built, like, you know, you can only... Uh, you, only the user can sort of call back the, the the three shards. The only concern really is if uh, if we get subpoena by yes. uh, a government to say now, you know, this user specifically, you know, we would like you to you know retrieve the three shards, etc. So that's not a real concern in the end because for several reasons. Um, one, you only get subpoena like this by governments if it's a serious act, like, you know, terrorism, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's not true that the average person gets subpoenaed every day. Can I just interrupt there? Uh, Coinbase had all their customer data subpoenaed by the yes. I, uh, IRS. John Doe. Yeah. yeah. And so so they had to supply every customer. Was it over $10,000 or $20,000? $20,000. $20,000. Over a three-month rolling period. And they gave all their And Coinbase fought back because they wanted, I think, $3,000. But Coinbase is a bank. This is not a banking service. Okay, so it's very different. But but it's what I'm saying is the IRS wanted that information. If if something there is no like, information for the IRS on this. Well, they, you do have ex pubs, but you had them before too on Ledger Light, right? I mean, there is no real information for the IRS on this, etc. And by the way, like you know, again, this is there will be trade offs in the future. Yeah. Uh, so like we're not saying that uh, you know if you're uncomfortable with this, you can keep your 24 words and you know. Keep doing what you're doing today. This doesn't change anything, okay? Doesn't change anything, doesn't create a backdoor. We can come back on open source, no open source. Yeah. But in the end, like we're a good actor, like we don't create backdoors in our user's of device. Course. And by the way, if we did, the business goes south very quickly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we are trying to build a big business. So creating backdoor in our user devices is, uh, is, a, is a bad practice, but also because it will be seen. It's so something see, that if it happens, it's seen. Like, you, the know, issue you can't is, hide that. The issue is not maliciousness from you. Right, you want to grow a business. The issue is always, you know, you have a rogue employee, you have a, you know, a state actor that embeds in the company. These things happen, and it happened. But that's in the not security possible in the way that we've explained this. In the way that we build the firmware, like you can't have one person. Not one person controls the firmware, so not one yep. person can put rogue code in through the firmware. No one can actually tell us what to do with the firmware unless you know we go to jail. But you know, that's a, that's a different thing. By the way, when this happens. Like, let's say that suddenly the French government decide that, okay, Ledger, no more, and so now we're going to control the firmware, et cetera. By the time that this happens, then, you know, I, there would be a message out there to say to all of our customers, move your funds away from Ledger. If you get, because this is a real scenario if suddenly France goes uh, into a tyranny, uh, which is not today. But if it was China, 
okay, yep. then I wouldn't trust a Chinese actor with this for sure. And for the reason that you're exposing, but you know, there is a certain element of trust that we still need to have, okay, in this marketplace, because the don't trust verify is true to a certain point. There are elements of trust that you still need to have in terms of what product you're going to use, you know, who you're going to trust, who you're not going to trust, etc. Look at Coinbase business, you know, it's based on the trust that you have the Coinbase. Oh, the, this is the coins. thing, like, you know, this is, this is maybe where I sort of like diverge from a little bit of the rhetoric on Twitter is that, yeah, but the thing is, I think there'll be a lot, the there'll be a lot of but this trade-offs. Is the most, this is the most important point. The problem so that we have right now, people, no, just, just a moment. Wait, like, wait, no one does self-custody today in this business. Self-custody is the small part of the iceberg. The big part of the iceberg is everybody is in custody. And so when we're thinking about like what's best for the industry and how to go forward, this is the real question. You have 400 plus million users that are doing crypto. How many users do you have? We have a few. No, but how many? I, we don't divulge numbers. Why not? Because we don't. But why not? Why trust? Why don't, I, don't trust Verify? Why aren't you, why aren't you open why, source on that? My business is private. I don't know. We should I'm, be. A, I'm a private company. Okay, so we sold six plus million devices, and that's on you know 400 and something million users. You that's, sold probably a million or two, let's say. So that's eight. Trezor sold a million or two, let's say ten, etc. So and and that's devices. There is more than one device per user. So actually, you got sub 10 million users that are doing self custody today with hardware wallets, which is the best security out there. So to me, this is the real concern. See, you're, 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 this is the issue. Like, I think you're missing my point. I was actually uh, support uh, your feature here. Um, because see, like Coinbase is the worst possible way somebody could possibly have Bitcoin, right? I mean, it's like, it's just horrible, right? It's an IOU, they're not good actors, and, and you know, you don't own your Bitcoin. So what I was going to say is, um, I rather people upgrade that to something like you have now, right? As long as these concerns, these features are explained to the like in nauseam to them, because people need to understand where I, I know you may think it's sort of like you know very unlikely and and um, it may not be you know it's not possible. We are good people, but. I think users, and this of course goes counter marketing, but users need to be reminded 50 times that these are the risks. So you could have collusion between actors, you could have bugs, you could have, so for example, um, you now have an API in your firmware, right? Which is really the, operator, the OS of, of Secure Enclave there to extract seeds. No, to extract encrypted shards. Sure, no, not sure. The seed. Yeah, but okay, but like when you say it like that, people here extracting seeds from the device, which is not what we're doing. But, it's but an he, important. Oh yeah, but it's an important distinction. Hang on, I'm gonna get there. Okay. So, um, so the issue now is you have this system, and if you got the encryption done wrong, for example, there is an implementation issue in the sharding. You know, maybe there is leaks. You know. No Le device what is What do you mean? Maybe there's leaks. Huh? There's, no, no, no. There's, there's, there's leaks of the private key when this operation is happening. That could happen. The device is unlocked. Well, it's it's a single key, right? All the shards, like Ledger, has one key that they're encrypting all the shards with, right? Ledger doesn't have any key. No. No. So what is the shards encrypted with? What is the shards? Is, is, What's is, the is, secret? Is, everything is happening on it, device. It's just Shamir. But the whole point they're is just breaking apart. But the whole well, point by the way, is we're using Shamir. You know what? The whole point is if you lose the device, yes. you can still recover. Yes. yes. So where is the secret that encrypts the three shards? No, it's the shards combine, combination. So you need two out of the three shards. Uh, so essentially two parties need to collude. Oh, it's just Shamir's secret. Yeah, but the problem is you now have three shards going over the wire to the right. third parties, right? Okay, continue. So, listen, the, the point that I'm making is... In secure it, through yeah. secure channels. But my point is like there is implementation risk, right? Always, it's all software, it's breakable. Um, it, your device has been hacked before. First of all, it's, it's not like, software. It's, not, it's an operating system that sits in software. a secure enclave. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but okay. But it's different from, uh, see, terminology is very important because when you say it's software, for me, Trust Wallet, for example, but that's software. Yeah, okay. that's garbage. And yes. Like, but but no, but, okay, but, that, but that's very different Listen, from, saying, from saying your like, technical team. No, I understand, but like uh, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to yeah. the audience, and you know I think there is a difference by saying software and saying like secure operating system in a secure enclave. That's not the same thing. What's happening now is a secure operating system in a secure enclave. That's the problem, not the software. This show is brought to you by Iris Energy. Now, Iris Energy is the largest Nasdaq-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. Their strategy is to target markets with low-cost, excess renewable energy. 
and they build out their own highly efficient Bitcoin data centers. They are led by a seasoned management team with a track record of success across renewables, infrastructure, and digital assets. Now, Danny and I met the team recently in Canada and were super impressed with their values, which align with us. So they are a great fit for what Bitcoin did and you, the listeners. Now, we are going to be working with the Iris Energy team on everything we do from podcasts to films and live events. And they are even sponsoring my football team, Rail Bedford. I'm really, really happy to be working with such a forward-thinking and sustainable Bitcoin company. But if you want to find out more about them, please head over to irisenergy.co, which is I-R-I-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.co. Next up, we have Ledin. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of holding today without selling their Bitcoin. Ledin has a robust risk management strategy which always prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with no DeFi yield farming. And Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They also are dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. To find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. Also, today we have Ledger. Now, Ledger is the world leader in Bitcoin security, and it's the best way to own and secure your private keys. If you're still holding Bitcoin on an exchange or with a custodian, it might be the time to take your security more seriously. Remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Now, Ledger hardware wallets paired with the Ledger Live app are the easiest and safest way to start managing your own private keys. You can send and sign your Bitcoin transaction with full transparency in the Ledger Live app. And honestly, look, it could not be easier. I have been a Ledger user since 2017. I love their products. and I'm still using the same hardware device I bought back then. Now, if you want to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Can I ask a dumber question? Because because yeah. I'm a, I'm just a user, right? Yep. At the end of the day, we we mine Bitcoin and and we we want to store that over time. Um and and you know what I'm hearing here is basically like there's a technical conversation around the changing surface area of trade offs, right? And it if you had to if you if we had to roll back the last 48 hours, are we fundamentally having a conversation around? user knowledge management and marketing or are we having a conversation around the technical implementation of a signing device that's a great question i think for me it's fundamentally uh communication education explaining what we do and do it in a in a you know in the right order i guess you know uh rather than the the technical discussion because the problem with the technical discussion, I mean, we could debate for, hey, I'm not the right guy again, I'm, I'm trying to say, and, you know, to the audience, like, I am not the tech guy at Ledger. I'm the CEO and I'm chief executing officer, so I execute the company and I'm trying to take this business to become a much bigger business, not because we're greedy, but because, but because we feel that, you know, self-custody is the way forward and this is how users will actually become free from the metric. So actually our mission is to make all of this secure and easy to use, and that's that's where we work. So technical people are Charles Guillemet, our CTO, that you know well. There's Nicolas Baca, who is the inventor of this. And if we want to debate like the technical, deep technical aspect of this, there are like you know the best guys to discuss this. And we and, will do that. Yes, we will make that one happen. And so I apologize, you know, apologies to everyone that you know thinks that sometimes unprecise, etc. Like I'm not a tech guy, and should just you know want to put it out there. So to me, it's just an education problem because the debate actually of like, you know, what's the best technical implementation, open source, not open source, actually hurts self-custody as a whole. Because in the end, my point is, you say Coinbase is garbage, you say TrustWallet is garbage, but these guys combined, they have 10x the number of users that we have. And so actually my job is to make sure that these users come to safety and something that is better. You say it's imperfect. I say, yes, but it's 20x better than what they're doing on Coinbase or TrustWallet today. Absolutely. And so that's my point. So in terms of self-custody there, or custody, there has been traditionally an exchange like Coinbase, software wallet, which I don't particularly trust, a hardware wallet, a multi-sig. We're now starting to see new ideas that kind of plug in the gaps here. There's like a... There's like a range of options now. Correct. And most people do go based on trust. They will look to Matt and say, what What do you think? What do you trust? They'll look to me and they say, what do you trust? And it's, you know, where is the trust in these things? In terms of this idea, it's a different one. 
and you've been following what's happened on Twitter. What are, what do you think are the real concerns, and what is the actual stuff that is nonsense? Is nothing burger? So so this is it goes back to this, right? I mean, I make a device that's like it takes certain kinds of trade offs, right? It, it, we don't have a later live. We you can't. There's no share coins. There's it's just it's very specific. No, really, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> there's no there's no share coin. <laughs> I mean, no, but, but it, it's funny because it, it changes it changes how a device is made, right? So, yeah. for example, we have last code to review because we're not supporting all the share coin stuff. Uh, we can do things the Bitcoin way. Right, so for example, we we don't need Shamir. We can use a Bitcoin way of doing that, mm -hmm. right? Um, because Shamir is sort of coin agnostic. Let's put it this way, right? Um, so, anyways, so with the shit coins, you add a certain kind of of trade offs and attack surface, yeah. right? With um, you know, when now you, you know you have this fully closed source, so now you have this trust thing. That's the trade-off, right? They have a certification that for some people is is a, it's a good thing. They want that. Many enterprises can only get a wallet that has a certification. They don't want a cold card, um, and you know that works. But I think what's important here is is for us to sort of like. I think this was the big mistake that you guys did marketing wise. It's like you know, this is not a product for like half of your user base that got super pissed because they don't want even that API there. So maybe if you split the firmware and you have a firmware that has that, a firmware that doesn't have there. Could, okay. you, could so, you have done a specific device that would, would only have been this? Like um, a nano, ledger, I'll come back whatever. to you. Okay, so I'll give you the answer and actually... Uh, I make an announcement. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, here we go. We got an exclusive. I'm learning how to sell here. Um, so, uh, wait, on, where, where did Charles send this to me? So, when it comes to, uh, you know, first, this is not our first rodeo. So, every time that Ledger brought a new feature to market, every time we have this happening. So, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Bluetooth with the Nano X. Yep. Yep. Wow, oh, my God. Like, you know, that triggers so many discussions. Like, oh, Bluetooth is a new threat. Uh, a new attack vector, a new threat, etc. Nothing happened. Okay, Nano X was 2018. There is no hack on the ledger through that uh, Bluetooth feature that that you know. Like that's how it works. Like oh, we no, just don't no, know. No, no. But then when this happens, you know, because like if you get hacked, usually hackers we it, would know. We would know. We would know. It would be public. It would be public. You would have hacked it. No, you don't know. Like you would have criminals done maybe using the device. No, no. You, you always end up with with, with responsible disclosure, etc. You know, the victims no, no. will call us and be like, "Hey, guys, like, you know, all my funds are okay. being wiped out." If it's an easy attack, then you know, suddenly you have tens of thousands of users with funds wiped out. So, but but you see, you know, we shouldn't say things like you don't know. Like, yes, we know. Like, you know, and until you can prove me that that you know otherwise, then we know that there is there was no attack. You know. Um, because because otherwise you you make it sound like oh it's always possible and so you insert like sort of fear into people when actually for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the cases it actually works and the thing with security is it works today the question is, is it going to work tomorrow there are new attackers there's new ways to attack etc which is why security is an always evolving uh, technology right like you know the technology that you have in your Nano X today is not similar to what you had in your Nano X three years ago because we are constantly trying to make it you know, harder to break and, and more secure. And so we had the same thing with what you described, like, you know, let's do it Bitcoin only because it's more secure. If you had shit coins, it's another uh, surface attack. Okay, also, that's not true. I mean, we've never been hacked because there are shit coins in uh, or no, what you call shit coins. but you make different design decisions. Like, Shamir's okay. is just a backup shit coins. Like, otherwise, you could just do native multi-sig. No, but that's, okay, but that's fair. Like, you know, it's fair that you make... It's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. However, if you look at the way that you su we support Bitcoin with Ledger, with Miniscript, I mean, we support Miniscript, Taproot, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, we have very good support for Bitcoin today. Probably one of the best, you know, maybe uh, as good as you. Uh, and uh, but but then what I want to say is like all these features that are hardcore features are not used. Okay, nobody uses them. So it's so your customers don't. No no no. Well, but we have okay. So so who's complaining on Twitter? Because I keep on hearing like the community that uses you know the hardcore Bitcoin guys etc. They do use Trezor. Like we have users that are probably. You know, as sophisticated as yours, but they're quite sophisticated. When we bring features, these features, like, you know, they don't use it. And by the way, you know, you can see there is a, you know, maybe two markets. If your users are more sophisticated than ours, which is what you're saying, 
Okay, but then this is the product for them. You oh, see, absolutely! Like I see you guys as my funnel. Like it's always been like this. And and, it, <laughs> and, I, and I'm fine with. And you know what? I'm fine with it's that because great. I think that this is this is. A I'm the same for Matt. I'm his funnel. No, seriously. Like I, you know, because I, I see this happens to me, right? Like users either grow out of shit coins or they want to start doing things, and they or they have a bigger pile of Bitcoin. Uh, and, and, you know, they'll come to us and say, "Hey, I used to have a ledger." You know, I want to now, like, as the solution that I can verify myself and all this stuff. It's like, great. You know, where do I put my shit? I'm like, I can't help you. <laughs> Stay with Ledger for that. Um, no, but, and so you see, I mean, you know, for me, the beauty of self-custody is that in the end, you're free. So, you know, when people are complaining about Ledger and think, okay, hey, it's customer is king. So people should complain. Okay. And it's no problem. We're here for that. So I just want to make that very clear. Customer is king. And so whatever customers say, you know, sort of goes, we have to understand what they're saying and then try to sort of do better education, better communication, et cetera. And when we fuck up, which is what we did when we uh, leaked the data, we fucking apologize. Yeah. We say nothing and we try to fix the problem. Like we don't, we're not, we're not saying, oh, we don't care. Of course we care. Like, you know, we care actually uh, very deeply. But the problem that is at stake right now, and this is why, you know, we should keep our eyes on what is the most important for the industry. What is the most important for the industry is to get 100 million users that are already in the space into the safety of self-custody, whether it's your product, my product, extra, is better than what they do today. It's 10, 20x better than what they do today. We're talking about like the possibilities of Ledger being less secure when actually most users are using products that are super unsecure. And so I think the debate should be how we move these guys to us. And this is with these kind of features that you can actually move the bigger number to self-custody because it's not true that 100 million, 200 million, 300 million people would trust themselves with the 24 words in the are product Are you case. concerned about centralizing this amount of users with KYC data and the fact that the possible collusion, not, not again, it's just like, Look, like technical possible collusion. Is it a concern to you that now you have this big pile of like- It's a honeypot. That's it's essentially you have a honeypot for privacy and for state actors to start sending you more letters because that's going to cost legally too. Um, it's not, look, I don't think it's a real concern and I tell you why. Most users, 97% of users bought their coins on an exchange. Yeah. Okay. Binance. Uh, most users at some point had to do a KYC linked to their coins and their, you know, private public address, whatever. And so actually, you know, uh, Bitcoin is not really good for people that want to hide necessarily. You know, it's uh, uh, sure it's anonymous, but it's traceable. And if I can trace you back to the exchange when you bought the coins, I mean, you know, any government agency can subpoena any exchange where you bought the coins to say, I want to know who's that guy, you know, and I, and I can trace all his movement funds after he bought Bitcoin in exchange and he send them on CoinKite or, or, or your wallet, for example. So actually, you know, I don't think it's, uh, it's already the case. 400 million users or, you know, a subset of that, at least a good subset of that, have already KYC themselves and attached their identity to their Bitcoin life. 95, 99%, I mean, you know, the large majority of the population is doing KYC every day for every other service that they use in their current life. So I think for the majority, it is not a real issue. Do you think ideologically that's like not a great thing? No, but I think, again, you know, we always go back to trade off. First of all, you don't have to do it. So no, no, absolutely. Absolutely it's a, it's free. A choice. It's a choice. Now, if you feel that you have to do it because, yes, you have to share certain things, but then you know that you're guaranteed to see you 24 hours back and then you're not solely responsible for them. You know, it's a good trade-off. It's a, it's a good it's a it's a good service. And again, the beauty of this, like we were never in the idea that it would be for everyone. But uh, and and customers online say, your customers don't want this. A lot of customers actually want it. Uh, a lot of future customers want it. And most of the people uh, that say I don't want to use a ledger are saying because I don't trust myself with the twenty-four words. So actually, we're trying to solve one of the biggest pain points to onboard the next generation of users into self-custody because you and I agree and we all agree that self-custody is much safer than any other form of uh, custody Absolutely. that you have uh, in the market. And so, you know, and- Is, is this a better product than an exchange? I, I think I think better and worse are not the best ways of putting this kinds of stuff. It's a different trade-off. If you had those two options, if the two options in the market for you right now were as an exchange or this product, where would you use if they were your two options? I would probably tell people to just pick a different product. 
I'm just saying of these two options. I'm saying, is it an improvement? That, but that's not that's not the market, right? The okay. market has other options. Okay. Uh, and and again, they can use his product wait, wait, without what? this. No, okay, so what, without what, this. So what is the third option? What would you choose then? Well, I mean, I prefer people putting on a phone wallet than than. To but output. haven't you do, do you, on the phone wallet? Yeah, that you've hacked like on a software wallet. Yeah, I mean, if they have you know like this kind of user have like a couple thousand dollars worth Bitcoin. Okay, but it's as so, good as gone if they put it on the phone. I don't. Not necessarily. That. No, I mean, like you know, like phone wallets are not amazing. No, are they like you know? Do they have also trade offs? Yes. But didn't you? you but no. you, but they're not. But they're not sharing their KYC information with yet another third party. Well, K- okay. KYC and then seed theft are two different things. Okay. Different things. Now, but, I'm, I'm talking about seed extraction. If you run a software wallet on your phone, okay, uh, the yeah, seed, yeah. seed extraction is super easy. So actually, whether you have fifty dollars, thousand dollars, or more. Your money is as good as gone. Now you say it's no KYC. Okay, but that's a different problem. Okay, the problem number one is seed extraction. Okay, and now you cannot tell users that actually you believe that a software wallet on the phone I don't know. Is, I feel is, like, is a better trade-off. I feel like KYC risk uh, of, of like KYC data being leaked is more expensive and worse than losing 2,000 bucks on my phone. I, I, I as a more normal It's just a person, trade-off. I'm just... No, but... I'm okay. going to say something that's going to piss Matt off. Uh... I think it doesn't matter what you do or what you say. I think KYC is something that people have become completely used to in the world and accepting of and trying to get them away from that is very difficult. Getting them to really care about it is really No, but really that's hard. why, you know, our duty is to come up with better, smarter things that are of hopefully easy that don't use KYC. Like for example, you know, you guys don't need KYC. You could just give the user some other password or something else. That they have to just remember, but that's the, or then do, you've, you've created be, the same problem. No, so password they have to remember. No, but it could be. It's not twenty-four words anymore. No, look, you we know? thought hard about that problem. Actually, you know, KYC is the only way that you can retrieve your shards. But okay, but but again, like you know, I think. We have to be very precise when we say things because now you make it sound like, oh, it's very easy for anyone to subpoena. You know, it's actually a very hard process. By the way, uh, the the different. Uh, entities that keep the, the different shards are in three different jurisdictions. So actually, if you're in a country and the French authorities say, okay, you know, like we have no real control of our partners to say you have to comply because they're in other jurisdictions. Are they all EU? No, there's uh, EU, UK, and US. Okay. Who keeps the picture of the driver's license? Oh, this is on Fido and Tessie. Like you have to, we have two partners that actually do that, but these guys do KYC for a living. With the same people, I mean, the people that are gonna use this product have probably done KYC with Unfido already for many other pro- many other product or projects. Isn't it sorry? Isn't it <laughs> sorry? Uh, isn't it an issue now that you have the KYC plus the Bitcoin together, right? See, because just losing the KYC, it's a problem. It sucks, right? But you don't lose the Bitcoin. Now you have the KYC plus the coins. So by the same solution. Look, when when people are on Ethereum, they have these addresses like Pascal.eth, where if I click on it, I can see everything that you have. So that's horrible. But, yeah, but the, but the, that <laughs> no, but you know what we, I mean. We've, so, we've like, already opted out of that trade-off. Yeah, okay. Yeah. With, with our with our, our, no, no, our but, Bitcoin but, <laughs> centrism. But, but but again, like you know, what what look if for you your privacy is of the utmost importance, please do not use that product for sure. But yeah. I but I think like what when we think of like the topology of of risks that's out there for for us as users, me as user. Um, what what is your what is Ledger's relationship like with the sharding companies that are providing that service? Because I think being able to like it, it's helpful that they're in different jurisdictions and that may protect a direct subpoena to those companies, but not necessarily protect from a, a direct subpoena to Ledger. Where depending on the service relationship you have with those vendors. A direct subpoena to Ledger around those key access points. Like, I've I've read too much terms of service, you know, paperwork to to not be terrified of what gets baked in to that boilerplate. So, so first, these companies are not slave to Ledger. We just have a commercial agreement. But when but, I, but exactly, but that's governed by the jurisdiction that you operate in, and then that's subject to the. No, but they're not slave to Ledger in the sense that it's not because Ledger is supposed to comply to something that comes to us that they have to that they have to do the same. They obey their own rules and regulation, own risk, etc. And so, therefore, and, and the contract that you've signed with them. Which, so, for instance, they don't have Ledger, to. They don't have to comply to anything if they feel that it's not in their in their jurisdiction, for example. But would so would would Ledger, for instance, be willing to 
uh, open source the, the service agreements they have with the providers around those. Oh yeah, I think that's perfectly fine. You know, okay. uh, you know, again on these things, you know, again, like we. We, we, we're treating this as if this was a new problem. This is not a new problem. Most users that do crypto today have already done a KYC. And their identity is already linked to, to their crypto. So now we're trying to solve a real problem, which is what do you do with the 24 words, et cetera. And so again, it comes with trade-offs, et cetera. But we don't create a database that doesn't exist yet. Most people that would use that service have already KYC themselves with Coinbase, with Binance, with you know various yeah, but exchanges. The, but the association between the keys and that database line item is new. Not necessarily. Uh, because if you no 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 actually not like you know if you KYC yourself with an exchange, then your public address and your KYC on the exchange are necessarily linked. Of course, but what I'm saying is that great. So we've we've got we've got the linkage point between the, my KYC information and Coinbase, and then I've I've now withdrawn from Coinbase. And right? So your KYC still 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 remains. Absolutely, but what we don't have at that point is an association between a seizure point and Coinbase and my KYC. And so when we when I think about the exposure, what do you mean by a seizure point? If Coinbase gets subpoenaed and there is an asset forfeiture of some kind that gets enacted upon me, Coinbase has a, a potentially a legal obligation to send over those funds. So like imagine, you know, imagine, you know, Ross Ulbricht is sitting with all of his Bitcoin on Coinbase and then he gets no knocked and gets and and now there is asset forfeiture as part of the legal proceedings around his crime. But this cannot happen in our in our in our case. Why? Because, well, because you remain in charge of your funds. So it's not because you're encrypted and sh sharded your seed that suddenly people can do anything with it. So in the case of uh, a subpoena to say, okay, we want that guy uh, and they come to us, you know, usually when these things happen, like you're aware of it and you, you still have your device, you can still have your 24 words with you, by the way. Like, you know, this is not either or, you can keep your 24 words and encrypt them and chart them, mm -hmm. or you can just destroy the 24 words and chart them. Yep. You know, the, the best thing I think would be to keep the 24 words very safely somewhere and also chart them as a backup. But you can decide what's best for you, actually. But, 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 so we, but we cannot freeze funds. You understand? We cannot so there, freeze so, your funds. So help, help me understand that, because I think this is, at least for me, is the, is the critical piece to understand most clearly. The only way for me to get my, my let's say I lose, I lose it and I want to get my 24 words back. How does that work across the three vendors that you guys have contracted with to get my 24 words back? Oh, so to get your 24 words back, you, uh, you re-KYC yourself, you present your identity, and that triggers a cryptographic process that brings back the shards onto your device. Great. So now the Department of Justice calls you and says, we are charging so-and-so with X, Y, and Z. Get two of your vendors to send us the Bitcoin keys. Yeah, I mean, you need all three. No, you no, need two, two. two or three. So oh, shit. So you only can, need two people they, to clear. They can ask us. Mm -hmm. And then worse. we can ask our partners, and our partners can say no. So that's the first thing. And only and, and usually they ask because, you know, I, I discussed this with my lawyers. Like, what is realistic in that scenario? Because if we say it like that, we make it sound like it's very easy for any government to subpoena anyone for any reason, etc. It's not true. They can subpoena It's not true. So I was, you know, Canada, lived there. Uh, we just had this insanity that happened during COVID mm -hmm. out of no fucking where. And we okay, ship devices actually. The country just decided. Through, through Peter. Yeah. yeah. No, but seriously, the country just decided that like, let's just suspend civil liberties here and freeze people's bank accounts and do whatever the fuck we want. Yep. So it, it, it does happen. I, I, listen, I, I think. But man, I'm okay with that. Like, you know, I agree with you. Like, yeah. I don't disagree. So, so, I'm not trying to be difficult, well, but, I'm, yeah. but, right. but I'm saying if I live in Canada, Okay, there is a fair concern that. <laughs> I know. And Macron and Trudeau love each other. So, um, I don't no, no, I, I, look, I follow you here. So, if you feel that's, that's a real possibility, I would actually say do not use the product. Yeah. So, 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 wait, wait, Peter, hold on. Service. I just, just want to be, because th this is, to me, is the crux of it is like there's net new surface area. So, you basically, we're offboarding loss of key risk and onboarding state actor risk. Basically. Correct. Basically. Yeah. That, and, that's the and, I, and I think that that's. I think that's a very reasonable trade-off to have available to people. In many cases, that may work for them. It would not work for me, and, and that's okay. But I think like this, and, and when we when we sort of fall down the the Twitter hellscape, um, which we all live in, 
you know, that, that for me is like the biggest risk is like, if we, you know, and we're going to have this podcast out there, which is great, but being able to say, look, you're offboarding this risk, you're onboarding that risk. These are the sets of trade-offs that live here. We're never pushing the, 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 the update to you. It's not getting baked into your next upgrades. Like, so being able to have sort of this, this, you know, more dynamic, um, trade-off discussion, I think is incredibly valuable, but secondarily from a user's perspective, being able to, to be sort of, uh, clearly in control of what f- set of, whether it's the OS or, you know, wherever that sits, you know, being able to, to have a, a high degree of control around what OS is sitting next to my signing capabilities and knowing what that is. Cause like, you know, I I've updated my iPhone irresponsibly early when that new push comes. And so we're, you know, we've been conditioned you YouTube music on your phone without asking. Exactly. You yeah. know, so, so the, oh, to me, that, that's that is, where that is a crime. That is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I'm, con- I'm conscious. No, look, of so I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, this, this, this is fair, but this is a good discussion. It's like there are trade-offs, there are things yes. that, you know, that, that you shouldn't do in certain situation, other things that will make people more comfortable. I've got, you know, many friends that are, you know, in many cities, et cetera. And, you know, they, this is an easy trader for them because they don't think the government is going to come after them uh, for many reasons, et cetera. And they say, look, you know, at the 24 hours, I prefer if someone keep it for me in a safe way, et cetera, but only me has access. So you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trade-off. Coming back to the story of Ledger, every time we bring a new feature, it creates this kind of dynamic, which I think, you know, is really good uh, in a way. I mean, it sucks when it happens and, you know, I prefer if we didn't do mistakes like we did, et cetera, in terms of communication. But, but in the end, you know, whether there was a mistake in communication or not, like that conversation would have happened and it would have been, you know, as good or bad, like in the sense that, you know, people would have had real concerns and all these concerns are real. So it's our job to talk about it, educate, present the trade-offs, yeah. present the different products in the market. You know, people were like, oh, Pascal, you're so arrogant. I'm like, well, I'm French. French. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you talking about? But also I said, if you don't like what, we, what we're doing, please go to Trezor or to you. I mean, I'm fine with Hold that card. too. To where, to where? No, his product's cold card. Right, so no, cold card, card. But I said, I said Trezor online, you know, that's, that was yeah. my tweet. People were like, oh, well, you know, he's telling us to go to Trezor. I'm like, actually, I want people to be free. And this is the power of self-custody. You can take your private keys and go to another product, another service, if you feel more comfortable with it. And I think ultimately, you know, this is what self-custody is, and this is why people are free versus, you know, very difficult to move your funds from one exchange to the other, et cetera. They make it difficult. You know, they want to trap you into a system where it's actually very easy to take a call card and to enter your entropy into it. And uh, voila, uh, done with Ledger. This show is brought to you by my new sponsor, Unchained. Now, if you've been listening to my show for a while, you'll know I'm a big fan of saving Bitcoin for the long term. I'm a hodler, which is why I'm happy to recommend the Unchained IRA. Their Bitcoin IRA lets you control the keys to your tax-advantaged Bitcoin, and if you have a Roth IRA, that means you don't pay capital gains on the price appreciation. Now, unfortunately, most IRA providers require that you give up control of your Bitcoin, but not with Unchained. Controlling your keys with the Unchained IRA protects you from exchange hacks or frozen accounts, and Unchained is an all-in-one solution. They'll help you establish a traditional or Roth IRA, set up your cold storage vault, roll over your existing 401k or IRA, and if you want one-on-one guidance, their concierge team will send you devices and walk you through setting up and securing your keys at your own pace. If you want to set up your IRA today, head over to unchained.com forward slash what Bitcoin did or schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more. That is unchained.com forward slash what Bitcoin did, which is U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D.com forward slash what Bitcoin did. And if you want to get $50 off, please use the promo code what Bitcoin did at the checkout. Next up today, we have Wasabi, who I am using to keep my Bitcoin private. Now, Wasabi is the easiest way to send and receive Bitcoin privately. And even for non-technical people like me, it is effortless and provides privacy by default. Now, with Wasabi, there is no minimum amount, so you can get started coin joining straight away. And Wasabi users make coin join transactions together with BTC Pay and Trezor users, and BTC Pay server users can make payments in CoinJoin, which saves on fees and is a privacy improvement. Also, Wasabi have just dropped a new feature. Now, Trezor Suite users can make coin joins directly on the hardware wallet, which is obviously very cool. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W A S A B I. W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. Also today we have BitCasino. 
Now, BitCasino was established in 2013 and is the world's first licensed Bitcoin casino. It is trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide, and not only do they have cutting-edge security, but they offer fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. BitCasino also has over 2,800 games and tournaments to try out. And with 24-7 live chat support, you can always get the help you need. To find out more, please head over to bitcasino.io, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award. That is bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O dot I-O. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Pascal, the question I really had for you is, I've had obviously a lot of emails over the last few days, DMs, and we also had an event last night. And the main thing people are asking is like, do you still trust Ledger? Are you still going to use them? And are you going to keep them as a sponsor? And no, they're, all, they're all valid questions. Do you have a history of bad sponsors? Uh, <laughs> Let's go back to that discussion. <laughs> So I don't that discussion. <laughs> I'm trying to save we, we, you. We yeah. can do that when Pascal's gone. But, but, but the point being is, if I still think if you'd have released this as like the What's Ledger Nano Vault as one independent product, completely ah, separate, voilà. I could have said, I'm staying with my Nano S, it's fine, but this that's a specific product just for that. Did you not consider that? Well, actually, Charles was even telling me, let's do like a Bitcoin-only uh, wallet. I and, mean, and, and don't, and, because and, and, then and, I lose yeah. customers. And, so, uh, <laughs> and go after these guys. So, no, no, it's, uh, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do that. But yeah, okay. uh, so, so we, we're doing it again for you know, security concerns. And you know, the, the, the job that we're trying to do, and even when we, we work with Concite and, and, and Coldcard and, and all the other players in the space, and we, you know, CZ has been horrible, actually, into all of this. And uh, he keeps on dunking on us, et cetera. And I think he's creating unnecessary FUD. And the only reason is because we broke Trust Wallet recently and we helped them fix it. We helped Trust Wallet and Binance avoid one of the biggest hacks of the history of crypto. And the way that he thanks us is by, you know, uh, dunking on us with actually no real I mean, content. wallets dunking on wallets is just part of the... Yeah, but that's just, just bad. Like, By the way, know, I, I, think, one thing. I, I think that's bad. I think the, 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 we need to mature because otherwise everybody's looking at us and be like, you guys are just kids. If everybody keeps on dunking on everybody. So the reason why we break other wallets, we break our wallet, et cetera, is not because we're assholes or we find it fun. It's because we want to raise the bar of security for the whole industry. And so when we break a wallet that is not ours, then there is a responsible disclosure process. We help you know, people fix security, get better security, and end up with a, they end mean, up with a better product. The marketing department does take a little bit of uh, a liberty we with want those to, releases. We want to assess. <laughs> they we, love no, to amplify. No, but let me tell you why. I mean, there is no secret. We want to assess uh, security dominance. We want people to recognize Ledger for the work that we're doing and to look at the dungeon as a force in the space. And the dungeon is a force in the space. We have great hackers that have done great things and saved a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, fixing products. I mean, Ledger Donjon is, it's great. All the work you guys do in terms of, of pen testing, all these different uh, key storage mechanisms and then responsibly disclosing it and writing it up. The write-ups are, are fantastic. And, and you did save a ton of money in terms of Trust Wallet. I mean, I think you guys discovered it within three days and reported it to them and and responsibly disclosed it. And that was all handled really professionally. I think Harry made a good point. I think MVK kind of made the same point, which is is that it's really important for users to understand trade-offs. I think where we're going in Bitcoin and, and Freedom Tech more generally is this idea that users are going to have many options um, and they should be able to choose which options they, they want and options are good, but they need to be very aware of trade-offs. And, you know, I think all of this said, this whole conversation, the biggest realization for a lot of people, which I, I know I've been personally talking about for years, is this idea that if you use a closed source hardware wallet, you have to trust that updates are not malicious. And I know you didn't like the wording of the tweet that was sent out, and I'm not trying to be an asshole, but it was true. Like at the end of the day, like if people are updating on Ledger, they have to trust you that the update's not malicious. And I think that's an important trade-off for people to realize if they're gonna make an educated decision. Do you not disagree? Uh, it's um. It reminds me of a book from UNESCO, what is it called? The Rhinoceros. You know, it's, it's, I don't think it's a real fair concern because again, time tells. So when you work in security, you know, uh, there is a big, uh, big bang on MPC. 
Okay, MPC, uh, multi... Multi-party computation. Thank you. Yeah. That's how you do shitcoin security exactly. because <laughs> it's like they don't have Bitcoin. Like he, it's different cryptography primitives, right? So you use MPC because then it's it's like essentially shitcoin agnostic. Yeah, you okay. can support all the shitcoins. So for me, the, the point I'm making, so I, I don't necessarily disagree with, with, with what you're saying. There is an element of trust that you have to give to sort of different players, etc. And, you know, even when you use your product, for example, like, you know, uh, of course it's been battle tested, etc. But, the, you know, things evolve in time. And yeah, so absolutely. what's true today is not necessarily true tomorrow, etc. So you can't then trust anything because you could also argue to your argument I could replay it back to say, yes, but you cannot trust anything in anyone because no, what is certain today is not certain tomorrow. Uh, and so, uh, therefore, you can't trust anything. And so, therefore, well, you can't even do no, business. No, I, I don't think we'd be, I don't, we don't have to be dead redu reductionist. I think, I think we all would agree here, and I think this is important, is that, like, I think, like, we all need to tame marketing departments a little bit so that users have a very honest, very, very honest, sometimes to the expense of some sales, explanation of trade-offs. It's like, honestly, like, this is one of the best things that Bitcoin has, this space has, is this, because if we don't, if you don't, then people are going to pound the fuck out of you on Twitter. And, and it's not good for your company. I don't like, think so. If you guys had just made it a little bit more clear, and of course the marketing. No, but we, we had the fuck up. Like, I yeah, exactly. like, you know, I, But you would have been like a lot more sort of palatable and people would understand and they would understand their new risk no, and I, then they would make a decision. I agree with the fuck up and, you know, I agree with education, etc. By the way, like our educational content right now is sort of on par with sort of Coinbase, Binance, etc. So we have actually spent like tons most of the marketing budget that we have is actually on education uh and so you know we contact like a, a, a fuck up in communication and make it the rule for ledger the rule for ledger is like we educate as much as we can and we try to onboard as many users as we can into self-custody so you know uh, are we perfect no but nobody is uh, no. and uh <laughs> are we are we thriving for perfection uh yes we try like you know and but it's hard and, and, and by the way is this shit hard it's very hard. Well, tell me about the, it. The, the problems that we're trying to solve are very, very hard. Like, they are hard problems. You try to be decentralized. You try to have no identity. I mean, you know, all these things, you know, it's it's problems that have never been figured out before. And, you know, we are the forefront of, of all of this. It is very new. Uh, and so far, you know, uh, the, the good news is most of our companies have actually been right. You know, when Celsius happened, BlockFi happened, and then I'm going to go, and so I'm going to leave you with that discussion. <laughs> when FTX happened, like, who do people go to? You know, they go to the safety of self-custody ledger, and you've probably seen a spike in your sales also oh, yeah. when these happen. Oh, I mean, you gave me 30x sales yesterday and the day before. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> no, but, and you no know, I mean, like, and, and, but I don't want sales to happen like that. Look, I'll take for it. Me, oh, yeah. For me, no, I'll take it, but it's not like, it, see, for, this is the problem of this industry. It's like, all this shit just makes less people come in. That's fair. Well, I think that the the the, the problem that we see uh, and you know the, the the backlash on Twitter, but in like you saw thirty x, we didn't see anything. Our sales were the same yesterday, today, etc. And so, and and by the way, in the past, we didn't see anything. Like even when we had the data breach, which was a fuck up, and where we were very apologetic, and you know that was a problem. Today is not a problem. Back then was a problem. Also, we didn't see any glitch in our sales. And actually, you know what happened? Like when we did a survey. We asked people that didn't know crypto, hey, have you heard about uh, Ledger data breach? Nobody knew about Ledger, nobody knew about crypto, nobody knew about data breach. Then you ask a subset of people that are in crypto, have you heard about the Ledger data breach? 99.9% .9 of the people have never heard of Ledger or the data breach. And so we're like, fuck, like nobody knows self-custody. And then when you ask, you know, Ledger users, even on Ledger users, most users didn't know about data breach, didn't know about nothing. So... You know, I think we shouldn't treat also Twitter and, and, and Reddit as if this was the world. There is a misconception, actually. Uh, I've seen some, I'm in this business since 2014. I've always uh, heard about the community. The community is upset, etc. Actually, crypto is a subset of community. So A, there is no such thing as the community. Uh, and B, even if you talk about the Bitcoin community, the Bitcoin co community is 
Plurry. Can I ask you off. something? Like, sorry, because I know you're leaving. I just want to clear this one out. Yes. Uh, and I, I asked you this on Twitter, so I want to ask again. But like, so people here. Yeah, like, you're flying Twitter. The uh, yes, uh, BSV. Do you support the Satoshi? No, yeah, yeah. no, because some marketing person fucking put it there. And well, like, uh, these marketing and, tools, you know, yeah, like they, they this is, on the fly, this is so the yes. line that we all don't cross. Is fuck Craig Gray. I mean, I'm still in active litigation. So. <laughs> Five years in, I, I have no comment. No, it, you know, like, and it, you know what? For us, it's not even fuck anyone. It's just like there are certain characteristics that we're not comfortable with in terms of security. And you know, for me, I draw the line at security. Is it secure, not secure, etc. Ledger will never do anything where we don't feel it's security first and 100% secure. We are the business where any fuck up then costs the company. You're done, basically. Done. Yeah. In the end, I'm very pleased that you invited me uh, in this podcast again. I appreciate the work. I appreciate all the pushbacks, honestly. You know, this is a good discussion and this is where the industry is maturing. And there are good points that I made. Nothing is perfect. What we're trying to do is very, very difficult. The one thing that I regret is players like CZ having a fucking fist on this where they should actually be leading and be calming everybody down and actually doing the right education. Because when you go online, you, you do the right education. You say things that are true. You say things that are coming from a professional that understands security. There are some people that go online, have no idea of security, et cetera, and just spread the FUD. And that's fucking terrible. And by the way, we had a lot of backup from the industry of people explaining what this is. They're like, okay, this, these are the trade-offs, which is a fair and fine discussion. What's not cool is to create unnecessary fear on something that is not even real. We can agree that CZ can go fuck himself. Yeah, so I yeah, think that's also that. another person yeah. that should go fuck. Well, him. actually, I'd like we to do be, I'd like to do business with Binance, so you know. CZ, please stop doing what you're doing and uh, and let's have a beer, okay? Pascal, thank you. Thank you guys. Uh, appreciate Thanks, that. Pascal. Thanks, Pascal. Appreciate. It. Thank you. All right, I definitely want your feedback on this one. You know my email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And yeah, big shout out, big thanks to Pascal for coming on the show, being out there, willing to discuss this. Also, big thanks, a shout out to Matt, Harry, and NVK for willing to come on and have the conversation. It's an important conversation. Definitely want your feedback. As I said in the intro, it's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Going to be heading back to the UK at the end of the week. We've got our next events to announce soon. We are going to be heading to Australia in September. And I think we've got another one planned. I'm going to be discussing this with Danny. We'll be announcing those soon. And yeah, get back for the football season, which I'm very excited for. Pre-season starts in July. We're going to go again. We're going to go and win the league again. Well, fingers crossed. All right, have a great week, and I'll see you all on Wednesday.